in this year, 2021, wrapping it up. How you got, how was 2021 for you guys? Did it suck? Suck. Better than 2020, yeah. I hope. It was Sucked. better than 2020. Yeah. Doesn't say much. Mm, close. They're neck Stop and neck, it. man. Come yeah. on. They're both bad. In hey, my we, world, in my, well, other than the, the, the lovely hey, bundle of joy born? that showed up. Yes. Other than that, <laughs> other than that giant life-changing transition in which this pod is basically based uh, off yeah. of. Other than that, that side of things. Uh, other than, yeah. The love of your life. Got it. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for pointing that out. Other than the spawn like, of your lawyer. Please save this for <laughs> later posterity. See, I'm just right here. <laughs> I think we might just have the opening of the show. Bottle of Brown podcast. I'm your host, Danny Paul. Joining me in the Bob Media Studios are the vice hosts, Leon Coventry, Danny, and Mr. Jones. Oh, yes! Hello, hello, hello. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday, boys. It's been a while since we got together. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. Same, 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 same. Boys, we got so much show tonight. Uh, I have been collecting and collecting and collecting. So we got some really good stuff tonight. We got the cream of the cream of the cream tonight. And hopefully I can find some some nifty sound bites to stick in here. Uh, but without further ado, let's get into it. What is your brown, Leon? I am very excited to be drinking the third and final installment of the Kirkland 1792 Marriage Single Barrel. Finally showed up in our... Costco's here. Go on. Uh, so uh, what's nice is, you know, it's the big leader bottle, 120 proof. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it, it lights you up. It's delicious. That's some fire. It's like 30 bucks. So it A is leader for 30 no, and it's 60%. There's no better deal. I'm Good telling you, if you find drunk. it, buy it. We bought, we bought six, like, it was my job. Jesus. And uh, I feel like I got to go back and get more because this is it. It's a one-time run. It's a one-time partnership. They've already announced it when they released the first of three. And uh, so this is the last one. Go get it. Is this one, is this one better than the other two? Would you recommend this one over the others? Mm, you know what? I'm going to do a uh, triple B and I are going to do a, a, a taste tasting of all three. And I'll let you know. I really can't okay. tell. Yeah, it's like delicious that. tonight. Yeah. The husband and wife tasting. All right, Mr. Jones, what do you got? Uh, I'm going back to the Knob Creek Single Barrel Reserve Nine Year. Um, oh. You know, Kentucky bourbon, great taste, good, smooth, 120 bracket as well. Um, I don't. Was this a single barrel? Was the, the no, single not the barrel, single. I believe was single barrel was the brown was the bracket winner, wasn't it, Leon? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh well. I went to the Breckler winner because yeah, I'm fabulous. Well done, Mike. It's delicious. It's just I'm really yeah, I'm, I was very pleasantly surprised with Knob. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I heard about you. <laughs> Sneaks up on you. I got, I got nothing. Oh. I got nothing. I got nothing. All right. So I'm just <laughs> 
I'm watching Succession on HBO. You guys watch the HBOs? Sorry, we no. Do. Yes, yes. Okay, so we're 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 let's say episode two into Succession, and yes, I know at the time that we're recording this, uh, it's the season finale this week. But I I refuse to wait a week to watch television in in the year of our brown lord 2021. Maybe that's something you can rant about, Leon, because I think that's bullshit. I want all my TV now. So what Netflix I did was I waited eight out. weeks to watch all the episodes at once. So we're watching Succession, and I wanted something that I thought was worthy of the Roys, and so I got the Elijah Craig. 2018 double gold winner, best small batch bourbon at the San Francisco Wine and Spirits mm. Convention. So Elijah Craig. That's so. a winner. That is a winner. Elijah. Cheers to you. Discover the greatness within. That's a classic. Good for you. Not a sponsor, but we are waiting for the call. (laughs) All right, let's talk about Brown. How you doing? Whiskey and whiskey. This is the darkest brown you got. Yeah. Say, Holmes, uh, where they hiding the scotch? What about, um... Brown. That's code for bourbon. Great stuff, this bourbon. It comes from a land called Kentucky. Talk about brown. There's a special rung in hell reserved for people who waste good scotch. Scotch? Oh, yes, I, I think so. Can I have one more of these with some booze in it, please? Tonight, we go back to our old friends at whiskeyadvocate.com. Not a sponsor? Waiting for the phone call. Whiskey Advocate did a top 20 what they're referring to as the most exciting whiskeys of the year, 2021. And you can go to whiskeyadvocate.com forward slash top 20 forward slash 2021 forward slash whatever. And you'll get all 20 of them. We're not interested in the first 19. We're only interested in the winner, right boys? Cause we're winners here. Bottle of Brown podcast. Right. If you're not first, you're last. If you're not first, you're last. Shake and bake. <laughs> and uh, spoiler alert. Ready? Close your ears. Three, two, one. Lagavulin, 11 year old Offerman edition, Guinness cask finish. Now, there's a little bit of tongue in cheek reference to this particular bottle of brown, which I really love, is because it's inspired by actor and comedian Nick Offerman's devotion to Lagavulin single malt scotch. Islay Distillery Lagavulin debuted its first Offerman edition in 2019. <laughs> A second Offerman release appeared in the spring of 2021, an 11-year-old like the first, but with four months of finishing in Guinness casks amid a crowded field of ultra-aged, barrel-proof, and many other formidable contenders, this stout cask-finished expression emerged from the pack to become our 2021 Whiskey of the Year. Nick Offerman is the brainchild, heart and soul behind Ron Swanson, ladies and gentlemen. True Uh American. I once I figured out who he was married to, I was like, that's it. I mean, that is the perfect match made in heaven, isn't it? That's a beautiful that is the Hollywood power couple that all of us hoped would exist. Just just to sit around that dinner table and comedy marrying comedy. Oh my gosh. That has just gotta be that is a holiday gathering I would like to join in on. Hundred percent. His wife is uh, Megan Mullally, right? The uh, Mm -hmm. the one that steals the show on Will and Grace every time. That's mm-hmm. correct. That's the oh. one. Fun fact. You know what her character's name is. And what? Karen? Karen. Karen. Yeah. 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 The immortal Karen. Yeah. Karen and Jack. I'd like to speak to the manager, were please. The best. Oh, yeah. 
They they made the show Will and Grace. Will and Grace were like there to keep the storyline moving along, but everyone just waited for Jack and and yeah and Karen to come on. But that's the, the community timing, right? Is you want to have the anchors and the satellites. The satellites are the ones that bring the heat and make it good, mm-hmm. but the the anchors kind of keep the story going. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Give it purpose right. by reasoning. Purpose. Like, Thank you. That's the word. But watching those two work together, I think one of my favorite is uh, trying to charge something and. Anyways, Karen yes. does the credit card, the credit card scene or whatever it is. I freaking love yep. that scene. It's one of my favorite. <laughs> if any of the uh, Magic yes. 28 has seen that, you know what I'm talking about. It's like oh. decline, 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 accepted. <laughs> well, we're totally going on a rant here, but if we're going to talk about the best moment in that series, it is 100% when, when Grace found out that this doctor, whatever the person's name was, that was going with her husband to Guatemala wasn't actually this old Jewish mm-hmm. man. It was this really hot blonde <laughs> that yeah. was going to go down there and it just met her. And as soon as she walked out of the door, Jack's face walking over to her with his jaw dropped and head cocked to the side and said, you must be dying. Die, die, die. <laughs> your, your husband's going to Guatemala with that. And every time I watch it, it is Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Can't <sighs> breathe laughing. It is the best delivery. I don't know how everyone didn't just break down on the set True. when he was doing that delivery. It was, it's, it is gold comedy gold. I think Sean Hayes does a podcast. So he does. For those of you that have uh, us in your ear holes right now, you could probably find it somewhere. He does it with someone else really cool too. That's what I mean. Yeah. A lot of these guys are getting together and kind of doing what we're doing and we're the, we're the C-list players, but there's basically other versions of this podcast where they probably don't drink, mm. which obviously it's not as exciting. So listen yeah. to our show first. Yeah. Yeah. You, you want to get a little bit lubed up before you get over there as I do. Let's get back to, the oh, advocate, are we talking about we? Brown? Yeah, we're, we, were, we, were talking, we were talking about Brown. At first whiff, it's Lagavulin, all right, but somehow brighter and more playful. The peat, smoke, and maritime salinity. That's a good word, maritime salinity. I saw them at Coachella last year. The peat, smoke, and maritime salinity become wrapped in the freshness of fragrant citrus melding with honeyed vanilla and white chocolate. On the palate, a subtle backdrop of peat embers harmonizes with flavors of toffee and baked orange leading to a nimbly smoked finish that sings with notes of coffee and chocolate and just goes on and on. Let's pause for a second here. You guys ever seen that thing at the high end bar where they light some shit on fire and stick it under an upside down fishbowl and it's supposed mm-hmm. to infuse your drink. We talked about mm-hmm. this, right, Leon? Like they mm-hmm. do it at some yeah, bar yeah. in Dallas that you're a fan of. That's right. Yeah. They did it at the Hyatt uh, Regency in, in Dallas and they smoke the glass and it's, it, it, you taste it. There's, it's not just for show. There is yeah. a flavor. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. So no, yeah. no calling bullshit then. No, no, it, 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 it definitely, it, it is fun to watch, but no, it's all about that smoky flavor because anybody who drinks scotch knows that it comes with a smoky flavor. It mm. just does. It's got it's that be a little bit smoky it, yeah. flavor. Bourbon doesn't typically have it as much, at least in my opinion, but when you put bourbon in a smoky glass it's like the combination of the two best things so so you're, it's, so you're it's drinking scotch. Fun. 
You're drinking scotch without that. You traitor. Weird peat flavor. I don't care for just yeah, delicious so, smoke. Good segue. While peated scotch devotees are among the most loyal whiskey fans in the world, we recognize that peat is not always for everyone. Yet with its artfully cheerful style and an abundance of captivating flavors, we believe this whiskey bridges that divide. Well, 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 a peated scotch for the non-peat lover. I think the bigger question for me is to the whiskey advocate here. What percentage of these winners come out of the UK versus the US versus others? I'd love to know because maybe they're right. That's I, a good question. I'm a, I'm a homer here, so I'm going, you know, team bourbon. But Well, uh, let's see. Uh, we've got... Well, this is 2021, though, specifically. Andalusia but. Striker, Wheel Horse, I don't know, Wheel Horse, Glendronach, oh. Kentucky mm-hmm. Owl, the Wiseman. You know that one? I've seen it, but no, I have never had it. Uh, Old Fitzgerald, 11 year old, Ballroom yes. Bond, Nika Taketsuru, so a Japanese. Yeah, Ibn Tucker. It's popular. Aaron Barrel Reserve, Ardna American. Port Charlotte. Port Charlotte seems to be kind of making its way up the ranks of uh, of the whiskey files. You might want to ask Triple well, B about that one, Leon. No, but that's mm-hmm. that's about that's yeah. I understand that's what it's saying, but it's it's the Baldacci, isn't it, or whatever you call it? But, what? It's Port Charlotte. Uh, I thought it was something else. What we got here. It's uh, ooh, Wild Turkey Masters Keep. We were yes, talking about Wild Turkey, I've had right? that awesome, awesome uh, Compass Box, Kentucky Peerless. Ramper Asava. That looks interesting. Uh, High Coast Have, George Dickle. We talked about Dickle. Yeah, Dickle, eight year though. Interesting. Jack Daniels, 10, cracks the top five. Bullshit. Mm, Teeling Black Pits. And number two is Maker's Mark Wood Finishing Series 2021. All day. I love that stuff. Makers Makers made it pretty high up the bracket, if I recall. Well, I think Makers mailed it in for a while. And, uh, then they said, Ooh, wait, we, we need to do something here to, Somebody to get up. with this niche market. And yeah. yeah, they figured it out. They got some good stuff. Very good. All right. No, so the, that Port Charles is the Buchelati. Buchelati? Bougie? Oh, yeah. Anyways, it's Bourgeois. another scotch. Bourgeois. I can't pronounce it. Netflix series uh, for the uh, Magic 8, Magic 28. Oh, all right. So Maker's Mark. And uh, this this wild turkey masters keep one looks interesting. And then I love that a Japanese one made it on the list. Japanese is they're they're climbing their way up. They're very good mimics, so they're probably going to find something and go, "We can do better." And that's that's the basis for a lot of their best stuff. It just they everyone I've tasted, even the fancy ones I've tasted, and I apologize to the Magic Twenty Five here that I don't know what I don't know what I tasted, but. I want to give them an, an honest chance and they all feel empty to me. Like at least Scotch like, has a, yeah, Scotch has like, a, uh, yeah, it has a real, you, you know what you're drinking when you drink a Scotch and, and bourbon has definitely got its own persona now, but I just don't get it with the Japanese stuff yet. I just, I know people love it. I know people drink it religiously. I, and it's always on display, especially behind like the glass cases. And I'm not impressed. I just haven't been impressed. It just maybe doesn't hit my 
flavor profile, I guess. I don't know. All of the Japanese whiskeys that I've tried have a sense that they're kind of, they're cool to the touch, which makes them feel watered down, even though they're, they do have a pretty good flavor profile, but for the most part, there's no, there's no white lightning in there. Like you, you drink a good, a good bourbon with a Kentucky hug. And that's what you're definitely missing from Japanese whiskeys is they do not like the hug. They must think that there's something impure about that. You know, it's funny is I actually think that they have a moonshine finish. That's when I've drinking them, at least mm. the ones I've had, but they're high end. I know that. So maybe it's the high proof. I don't know, but Could be. they have a very just straight alcohol taste. And I'm like, that's not good. I don't, mm. I don't enjoy that. It's different. So. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about Brown. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's get into business news. News team, assemble! Let's get down, let's get down to business. And I got news for you. Today's business news comes to us from EE Times. This is a electrical engineering magazine. This one talks about the Internet of Things. The headline is Air Safety Review Delays U.S. 5G C-Band Plans. Verizon and AT&T have been forced to delay their ambitious and expensive plans to roll out 5G networks in the C-band after the FCC and the FAA demanded a review of the plans, citing potential interference issues in the mid-band spectrum with aircraft signaling. The regulatory bodies jointly issued a statement regarding their concerns about interference with the radio altimeters in both commercial aircraft and helicopters. The two operators who between them spend about $69 billion in a fierce bidding war for licenses to the 3.7 to 3.98 gigahertz spectrum range have agreed to a four-week delay to roll out 5G services. So for those of you who have your nice 5G Apple phone or your 5G LG phone, you want to know why there is no 5G network. It's not because Verizon and AT&T are lazy, per se. It could have something to do with government delays and when they can roll that out. Amongst the numerous recommendations in the SAIB to both the altimeter suppliers and aircraft manufacturers is that they should collaborate and conduct testing and analysis into the effects of loss of function and erroneous or misleading altimeter data from potential harmful interference caused by fundamental emissions in the 3,700 to 3,800 megahertz range and 37 to 3,980 megahertz bands. All I can think about is Die Hard 2 when they reset yeah. the altitude of the plane. Is this what we're looking at, Leon? Well, I think there's a couple of things going on here. I hear all the time, especially when the cell phone rules came down, you got to turn off your phone before you get on the plane. Uh, and I think we've all experienced at some point a time when your, your phone goes off and you're next to a speaker and you can actually hear your phone ringing through the speaker, right? It's like, click, 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 click. The, o- the only thing I've ever experienced as a pilot uh, with cell phone interference, I've never seen it impact any of my instruments whatsoever. Uh, and of course, this is not 5G. 5G, is, this is what this article is specifically talking about, but it, it will, I can hear it in the headphones, right? right. And, and I think it's really a big deal you know, the most important time for communication for pilots is taxi and takeoff, right? Approach and landing, right? That under, under 10,000 feet. Yeah. They're talking yeah. a lot and you really don't 
can't be getting the click, 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 click sounds in your headphones while all that's going on. So I know that's the main reason it's not going to crash your plane. Right. I think a lot of people are like, well, if it was that dangerous, why would it, you know, it's not dangerous. It's just incredibly annoying and it can cause problems. Right. So that's, that's why you're allowed to have your cell phone and they tell you to turn it off. As far as 5G, the the big headliner in this is the altimeter interference. That's a big deal. So the altimeter is set off, uh, obviously altimeter, if you don't understand what that does, it's, it is the uh, instrument on the aircraft that tells you how high you are, right? So it'll tell you how high you are in relation to sea level. It doesn't tell you how high you are in relation to ground level, obviously, because the ground is always changing uh, level underneath you, it is always in relation to sea level. But that instrument needs to be changed and modified based on the barometric pressure. So whatever the barometric pressure is, and it's one of those things before you're, you know, I'm not going to get too nerdy on you, but when pilots, uh, you know, one of the first things you do is you listen to what is the barometric pressure. They tell you over the radio and that updates every couple of minutes on what you need to dial in your altimeter to. And then once you get above a certain altitude, all airplanes all are in the same barometric pressure so that everybody, no matter what, at that point, when you're way up in the sky, everybody's reading the same thing. Cause when you're cruising at that fast, the barometric pressure is going to change, but everybody needs to know, you know, 20,000 feet to me is the same as 20,000 feet is a guy that's heading straight at me uh, and not whatever barometric pressure he just came out of. So with that being said, if 5g is messing with that instrument's ability to be consistent, it's a big deal. So so you're That's talking not, about mid-air collisions. Yeah, mid-air collisions with other aircraft or with with mountains, right? I mean, if you're these aircrafts are so smart now that they can land without any pilot actually touching the yoke even on touchdown now. And they they, they have to be certified for that. Most, most of the big aircraft that you see go into the the monster airports like Heathrow and LAX and you know Atlanta and what have you. All of them, they they can they come in full instrument approach if the weather's really bad and they don't even need to see anymore. Um, that's really dangerous if you're fifty to hundred feet off, right? So you 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 really have to understand what's going on there. That's new to me. I've never heard of cell phones interacting with crucial instruments, you know, like, like the altimeter. You don't want it messing with your altimeters. You don't want it messing with your vertical speed indicators. Those things are incredibly important to the safety of the aircraft. So it's, it's, in, I don't know anything about five, right? Everything all the conspiracy theorists out there about 5g, right? Like it's killing the bees. It gives you cancer in your balls. Like all these different things that are going on with 5g. What the fuck is in 5g? Like, what is this technology? I need to know more about it. 5g is a tighter band on the gigahertz spectrum of the non-visible light radio waves. It's just, it's a form of light, like microwave ultraviolet. Like if you get that old rainbow prism, 
one way is infrared, the other way is ultraviolet from the old physics class when we were in high school. That's basically what, what is the spectrum of light? It's just a really tiny section of the spectrum of light that's extremely powerful, like not laser powerful. I'm using air quotes now for those of you at home. It's not laser powerful, but at that level, you have a very, very ultra tight wavelength that's really good for communicating a lot of information very quickly. And so what I would imagine is uh, they don't really get into it in this article, and they're very good about saying ahead of the spectrum auction, the FCC declared that it did not consider there was any significant interference to aircraft operations. So 5G is not going to be, you know, Homelander from the boys just lazing something out of the sky. It's going to be more like Ghostbusters crossing the streams. That would be bad. But for the most part, it's whenever you get into things like what you're talking about, Liam, with the altimeter, that's kind of uh, but the whole idea is that the the paths of information will cross each other. And it's at that meeting point, you could have a glitch. Now, it doesn't suggest that the sensor won't recover and the, and the aircraft won't eventually reestablish its altitude. But I think what they're talking about is that interference is they'll whack each other from time to time. And that could cause a split second deviation, which is a concern, not significant, according to the FCC. but a concern. So members believe 5G networks can safely use C-band spectrum without causing harmful interference to aviation equipment cited numerous active 5G networks using the spectrum band in 40 countries. So it's already being done. None of these countries have reported any harmful interference with aviation equipment from these commercial deployments as the FAA recently confirmed. So there's part of this that goes to we have laptops and desktop PCs because we have fiber optic line, because we have hardwire in many emerging markets, they don't have the hardwire infrastructure. So everything is going to be wireless, which means all of their technical infrastructure is going to be wireless. They're going to jump into wireless first before doing any kind of hard line because of necessity. So if you go to Africa, everybody's got a cell phone. Everybody's going over 5G over cell phones because they can't route hard line fiber optic through the Serengeti. So a lot, some of this has a little bit to do with the United States just being a little bit behind the curve because depending on who you talk to in the technology sector, our time has come and gone and we're the laggards now. So mm-hmm. in, in technology terms, we're a little Clint Eastwood and Grand Torino. Mm. Uh, so some of this is much ado about nothing, but it was very interesting to get your take on it. Yeah, I I haven't heard that before, and I think I'm glad they're looking into it. Obviously, someone has had a serious concern with it, but uh, I don't think I don't think we'd be flying into those countries that widely use it like that if if it really was that big of a concern. So, uh, I'll close with a uh, analyst from. New Street Research suggested the issue may prove to be less serious for the operators than some believe since wide-scale deployments were never on the immediate cards. In reality, C-band radios aren't on many more than a handful of AT&T towers and will only get to about 10% of Verizon's towers this year. So the good news is it's a slow rollout. If they do discover there's a problem, it's not going to be a whole-scale shutdown. I really would miss the horribly fake looking trees I drive by if it became an issue. Yeah. We should talk about that sometime. In fact, (laughs) doesn't that make you angry, Leon? Don't you want to yell about them? Uh, It may be, it may be it. 
There's so many things that make me angry. Well, let's have a laugh for a second. Let's get to the crank file. I could look for something in the crank file. Crank file. Whatever. Today's crank file comes to us from one of our favorite Saturday Night Live quotes from the immortal Norm MacDonald. May he rest in peace. When interviewed about Keith Richards getting back to what he's been doing for decades, cheating death. <laughs> this one comes to us from Far Out Magazine in the UK. Go ahead, Leah. What do you want to say? I was going to say, it sounds like some commie gobbledygook to me. <laughs> if we're, if, if we're going to call out Norm's best quotes, but yes, that is definitely <laughs> top three. <laughs> Gotta rest his soul. This one, this one comes from Far Out Magazine in the UK. Every time Keith Richards has cheated, death. Now, we don't have the time. There, there are no number of segments that will allow us to complete this entire article of all of the times this man has cheated death. In fact, I heard something one time that made me laugh really, really loud. When we're talking about climate change and all of this History Channel shit, like what's going to happen to us in 100 years, somebody said, we really should think about what kind of world we're going to leave for Keith Richards. <laughs> uh, I've, I have heard it many times like this. Everyone knows how this world is going to end. It's going to end with Twinkies, cockroaches, and Keith Richards. Keith Richards smoking a cigarette. <laughs> I'm in the market as it were. Keith Richards is surely one of the most indestructible rock stars on the planet. Throughout his long and varied life, he's been bombed, shot at, set on fire, and electrocuted on numerous occasions. And yet he's still, quite inexplicably, standing. When you take into account the fact that this is a man who has spent many years harboring a pretty potent heroin addiction, it seems self-evident that he's something of a mortality anomaly. And yes, you're right, that would make a great name for a heavy metal band. Richard's consistent evasion of death, clammy grasp, has made him one of the most mythologized men in recorded music. How he's managed it, we don't know. Tempted to say that some people are just born with more survival instincts than others, but I don't think I'd describe anyone with Richard's habit of falling asleep with a lit cigarette drooping from his lips as having much of a sense of self-preservation. The man's you know an alien. Like, he's got to be an alien. Why didn't, they, why didn't they quote him in Men in Black? He's an alien. Well, I think it's so funny how, and I'm not sure how it happened, but I'm, I'm assuming it was social media, but how the uh, Walker, Texas Ranger type things came out about how nothing, he's indestructible, right? Uh, what am I, I can't articulate what I'm, I'm thinking. Chuck Norris. Uh, Chuck Norris, thank you. God damn, thank you for that. So all the Chuck, Chuck Norris jokes, the Chuck Norris <laughs> memes, the Chuck Norris jokes. I'm telling you, this is some fucking strong single barrel. I'm already hammered. Um, the uh, they are hilarious, but I think the world has really missed and not making these same types of things about the indestructibility of of Keith Richards. I like what happens when Keith Richards? fights chuck norris it's what happens when an immovable object meets an unstoppable force i right? want to say it's probably like the end of dr strange where keith richards just keeps coming back and eventually chuck goes make it stop and keith <laughs> goes you're gonna have to go mate <laughs> 
That is the celebrity death match I would like to see. Oh, that I would need be epic. to see it. Uh, fun fact for any of you that walk by an Alexa speaker at a friend's house, ask Alexa to tell you the Chuck Norris joke. She never Always. fails. <laughs> I didn't my know kid's that. room and That's I love good. it. No, yeah, absolutely. Alexa, tell me a Chuck Norris joke. And then she'll come up with something like, there used to be a Chuck Norris Boulevard, but they had to shut it down because no one crosses Chuck Norris. <laughs> They're all great. They're just great. I love them. So what has allowed Keith Richards to survive everything from a drug overdose to falling from the uppermost portion of a Fijian palm tree? His life has been one hell of a wild ride and anyone else would have fallen by the wayside long ago. Well, this comprehensive list of every time the Rolling Stones guitarist has cheated death might give us some clues as to how he dodged so many bullets. Survivalists, take note. So we're gonna do the we're gonna do the hot hot takes here because this okay. is a complete segment by itself. Survive the Blitz. He was in the subway in 1944 during the Luftwaffe's pummeling of London in World War II. Electrocution at Sacramento. During a show in Sacramento, Keith Richards was in the middle of a performance of The Last Time when he noticed his microphone was facing the wrong way. The shooting at Altamont, widely considered to have marked the end of the peace and love era. The anarchy that erupted at the Rolling Stones' infamous concert at the Altamont Festival nearly cost Richards his life. That was with the Hells Angels, yep. Fire at Redlands. The fire at Redlands wasn't the first time Richards had evaded being turned into a small lump of charcoal. Deep in the throes of all-consuming heroin addiction, Richards nearly met a fiery end while staying at Villa Nelcote in southern France when the Stones were recording Exile on Main Street. Having fallen into an opium-induced slumber with a cigarette in his mouth. Strychnine poisoning sometime in the 70s, again, while addicted to heroin. Death by Literature, 1998. Even after putting his wild days behind him and settling down, Richard still managed to find ways of tempting death. Richards was innocently perusing the shelves of his library when grasping for a hard-to-reach book about Leonardo da Vinci's explorations of human anatomy, he was struck in the head by a bundle of hefty tombs. He stumbled from his perch and wound up with three broken ribs, causing him to postpone his upcoming tour. And, of course, the palm tree incident, 2006, Richards was holidaying in Fiji when Ronnie Wood, oh, Ronnie Wood, and his family. One day, Richards looked up at one of the matchstick-thin palm trees that lined the nearby beach and presumably thought, yeah, I could shimmy up that. Shimmy he did. Within a few minutes, within a few minutes he'd managed to get a modest seven feet up the body of the tree, at which point he lost his grip and came tumbling down, smacking his head in the trunk. Those are just a few of the many faroutmagazine.co.uk forward slash every time Keith Richards cheated death for those of you interested. And that wraps up the crank file. <laughs> oh, Keith. He's wonderful. Let's get on to because Florida. Today, because Florida takes us to Gainesville. Gainesville, I believe, is outside Jacksonville. It's on the uh, eastern eastern coast. Gainesville is where the University of Florida is. There you it's, go. Uh, go it's towards the yeah, it's Panhandle. towards the Gulf side. Go Gatorade. Yeah, Pensacola's on the Panhandle. Gainesville's no, closer to the bay. Yeah, uh, you guys can see the headline. So but I'm going to bury the lead for those listening. 
A Florida man angry over his neighbor's parking habits sprayed fire from a flamethrower toward a car with three teenagers inside. No one was hurt. The 57-year-old man is facing three counts of felony aggravated assault with a deadly weapon without intending to kill, according to court records. He posted a $15,000 bond last week and is awaiting a decision on whether prosecutors will formally file criminal charges. The mother of the teens, Ashley Ganey, said the neighbor frequently used a flamethrower to scare off guests at her home. Ganey's daughter, I'm going to say Natalia. We're going to go Natalia here. I'm not going to work here anymore. I'm not going to try and answer. N-A-T-E apostrophe T-A-L-Y-A. Baker. Natalia Baker. 16, fled the car with her friends as he continued to spray flames toward them, police said. Uh, While he shoots it, it lights the whole road up. It's like it's daylight outside. He'll do it in the middle of the night. In his arrest report, police identified the weapon in the November 30th incident as an XM42 light flamethrower, which shoots flames up to 20 feet. Sells for about 900 bucks online. I know what we're doing when you guys come visit. (laughs) (laughs) As we live in Zona. It wasn't clear whether police had seized the flamethrower. The suspect said in a brief phone interview that he could not discuss the case without consulting an attorney over fear of being evicted from his home by the local housing authority. Well, at least he's smart enough to do that. He acknowledged that the incident stemmed from a long-running dispute over parking with a neighboring family. Police said he admitted shooting the flamethrower toward the vehicle but denied targeting the teens. This family, how could I say this? The worst thing that could ever happen to a neighborhood. They had issues with other residents and it needs to be brought to light. Get it? Light? (laughs) (laughs) I kill me. The driver of the parked car, Amari Singleton, told police she and her two passengers saw the neighbor approach with a flamethrower and began spraying fire. The police said flames came within five feet of the vehicle as they escaped using the passenger side door. Better not burn up my car. Ganey said she confronted the man during the incident. He shot it towards them. When I got to the door, he was still shooting, and I asked him, what is your effing problem? All right, this is good. You ready, guys? Yep. In the United States, there are no federal laws regulating the sale of flamethrowers, which are not considered firearms. Hilarious. And I congressman in New York introduced a restricted bill he called flamethrowers, really, in 2019, but the measure didn't pass. Florida outlaws the manufacture or sale of shotgun shells called dragon's breath that mimic flamethrowers by shooting a flame or a fireball. But you could just buy a flamethrower. Mm-hmm. Manufacturer of the XM42 light flamethrower X products of Vancouver, Washington says in a promotional video, you've probably wondered if you can own a flamethrower. And guess what? You can. No permits or licenses needed. Oh, Leon, it says the devices are legal to buy and own in every state except Maryland and California. And I was just about to say, I found the solution to the smash and grab problem. You're going to have to come visit me. Yeah. Let me tell you something. The Gainesville case was twice convicted of misdemeanor domestic battery after arrests in 2002 and 2004. Listen, would a group of people roll up on a Nordstrom if it's possible the security guard has a flamethrower right that's Nord- that seems Nordstrom? very a uh, good deterrent Nordstrom right? is your go-to that's the one that just happened recently Nordstrom got bum rushed by like 20 yeah. people or something in, in, in the creek where I am yeah 
Check him out that one. Yeah. Yeah. Really? A Nordstrom? Yeah. yeah. That's what it was. Well, I mean, they're happening constantly everywhere now. It's it's become it's it's becoming a thing. I think they're all from what I heard this morning, it's WhatsApp or something is under fire because they're using it as a a way to organize. But either way, a flamethrower would do the job. That's all I'm saying. You just Youth of today. Everybody pulls up, you shoot the flamethrower one time, everybody runs away. That's it. Nobody wants to deal with a flamethrower. And it's in most cases non-lethal. Just really, really painful. They've got a <laughs> picture of this thing on the website. The device is seen on the seller's website by X Products of Vancouver, Washington. It doesn't look like a very complex device, but you know, in 48 states, perfectly legal, no permit required. I, I laughed when Tesla released one. I thought, well, that's that's nifty. Who's gonna get that? Apparently, anybody can. Get one. Would you shoot one? So, Would you want to shoot one? Is this, do I have to answer that? Yeah. Yes. I want you to why, answer. Why, why, why wouldn't why, why I? Why wouldn't Under I? what circumstances would yes! I not want to shoot a flamethrower? That's right. That is the exact answer I was looking for. Of course, everyone wants to shoot a flamethrower. So instead of usually when we're making fun of because Florida, this guy's fucking awesome. I think we all, I mean, that this should be the new Tickle Me Elmo. This is what I want for Christmas. <laughs> Okay. Uh, Closing thoughts on this one. The company X products of Vancouver, Washington, which also sells t-shirts identifying the wearer as a little terrorist requires buyers to accept a liability waiver and affirm they were never convicted of a felony, domestic abuse or arson. Mm. As Steve Harvey would say, Hmm. Mr. Jones, what, what what's your uh, what's your take on flamethrowers? The world traveler that you are, because I'm sure you've run into many flamethrowers. Oh, I have absolutely on the playa. They're a yeah. blast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, playing with fire well, is I mean, like the playa goes is hand in hand. World, but like, what about Africa? What about all these other places you've been? Mm-hmm. No one needs that fucking bullshit. This is just a thing to waste your money on something. Yeah. You know, while it's yes. cool with one person to have it, it's just a giant waste of money. But hey, look, someone found a way to profit on something they figured out, and it's very cool. But don't burn yourself, kids. Yeah, reasons, fuck it. They hurt. You get nine hundred bucks. Yeah. What a way to spend a Saturday night. Yeah, yeah. I I understand why they're illegal in California because you know we can't even light a match without half the state going on fire. Yeah, yeah, fire, guys, fire, guys fire issues out there. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I support yeah. that. I, I typically don't support that kind of stuff, but I support that one. Right? We we can't we can't light anything on fire here. We're not safe with fire. Right? I mean, that's we have Smokey the Bear here on constant watch. <laughs> uh, the other states, he's like, yeah, you're good, you're good. It'll half rain tomorrow, year, you're good. He, he gets here? half the year out to go to the Bahamas. Here in yeah. California, it's twenty four seven job, man. Constantly looking at you, judging you. That uh, wraps up Florida. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's get into parenting. We can make kids right now. That's why we're here. It's not the years, it's the mileage. Mr. Jones brought us this one. 
This is, uh, was this the Times? Did you grab this from the gray lady? You know what I did, actually, yeah. Yeah. Um, and why? So this one comes from the New York Times. This is Dr. Becky doesn't think the goal of parenting is to make your kid happy. And at face value, I have to agree. So let's dive in. Every generation, sometimes building on and sometimes rejecting what came before, develops its own ideas about parenting. For many millennials, the clinical psychologist Becky Kennedy, a.k.a. Dr. Becky, is the person whom they trust to deliver those ideas. Via her popular Good Inside podcast and her more than 800,000 follower Instagram account, her newsletter, online workshops, Kennedy, who's 38, mother of three, offers advice aimed, and this is what she believes distinguishes her approach, at managing the thoughts and feelings of parents as much as children. Quote, millennial parents are more aware of things within themselves that don't feel good, places that feel empty that they want to feel sturdier, unquote. These are parents dedicated to raising kids who feel solid and confident while also trying to heal themselves. I don't think we have time to unpack that one. Uh, is happiness the goal of parenting? No. Anybody mm -hmm. who had a childhood in which happiness was the goal would be predestined for a lifetime of anxiety. Life is full of distress. What's something that's distressing as a kid? It could be my tower fell down. If happiness were the goal, then my behavior would be, look, we fixed your tower. It's fine. What would I be wiring into my child by doing that? The more we focus on becoming happy, the less tolerance we have for distress and the more we search to feel any other way than how we're feeling which is the experience of anxiety. So what's an alternative response to my tower fell down? It would be me saying tough things happen. It's the accumulation of feeling alone in our feelings as kids that gives us adult struggles. So how would I not do aloneness through presence? My kid's tower falls down. I would try to say, I'm not going to rebuild it. I'm going to stay here with you. And maybe it sings towers fall down. That really stinks. Through my presence, what I'm doing is teaching my kid that when their distress light goes on, we want it to operate on a dimmer. If you think about all the worst adult coping mechanisms, they are an attempt to turn a feeling off, not an attempt to dim. I used to see adults in my private practice who came to me with eating disorders or bulimia. I would say to those with bulimia that the way that vomiting makes you feel as if, wow, you've cleaned out everything bad in your body, not just the food, but the accumulation of experience. That's something I can't offer to you. I can offer you something different. It's dimming your distress, not to a zero, but from a 10 to a nine and then nine to an eight and so on. Then you can learn how to operate in the world. Thoughts on that? Well, I'll take a start because I think this is what, what grabbed me, I think, as um, the world of parenting has, you know, become more of a microscope of today where, you know, every kid gets a trophy so that we don't have anyone disappointed and we want to make sure our kids are happy all the time. And I think the truth is, is that kids need to, to experience, you know, loss or losing, um, and having to rebuild something over again or start from scratch again, that way it builds up confidence for them in the future. You can't just have everyone or every child basically become a winner because then you have no losers. That doesn't make any sense. It has to be losers, it has to be winners, just plain and simple. But what grabbed to me is just kind of the rebuilding the way to redirect. I think that's kind of the one thing to always pause and take a moment and look back upon to way to build the confidence back up of the child after something went wrong. I like the idea of the dimmer. That's a concept, right? Yeah. 
I thought that was like the grabber to there. It was like, you know, we're always in the moment as parents and let's just have them shut them up or let's, 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 let's get them happy again, you know, cause I got a million other things to go do or whatever. But the idea of the word dimmer, I think is something to echo in the parenting mind um, as a solution for the the situation that you're in as one, not to just jump to reactions of how do I fix the problem, but more as a parenting, how do I, dimmer the child's expert expectations and put them on the path, you know, of growth instead of just satisfaction. Yeah. And parenting is really about setting expectations. What do you expect the child to encounter out there in the world? Um, there are bulldozer parents and helicopter parents mm-hmm. that I think people of our generation grew up with and probably some of our peers have become And the danger of that is at some point you can't protect them forever. So you want to be able to teach them skills that allow them to operate independently. And Mm -hmm. I like the dimmer idea because normally when you think about classic parenting versus quote unquote modern parenting, let's go back to that tower fell down. There's two ways to handle that. There was the traditional mom centered way of hug them, console them, it's okay. The tower fell down. It's all right. Everything's fine. You're going to be okay. Versus the traditional father approach of suck it up. Tower fell down. There probably is a gray area. I mean, you could say, yeah, the tower fell down. Are you sad? It's okay to be sad. Let's build another tower. That's probably, I would try and find something in the middle there. Uh, But I, I really, the premise of what she's saying is, I don't, I don't know that she's wording it right. I mean, that's the only beef that I have with this article is. Well, that's where I was going to chime in there. I think that the title of the article, the clickbait of this is spot on. The content of it, I'm not in love with. I think, no, your goal as a parent is not to make them happy. Everybody who is a parent that has the proper uh resources to be the parent you want to be right. Cause I know not all parents have the ability to do what they want to do. Right. Some of them are working two jobs. Some of them are just trying to get by food on the table is the best they can do. I'm not talking about those situations. I'm talking about situations where you have the ability to parent your child and steer them in a direction that you or hoping that they would go the you are not there to be their friend, right? This is another yeah. article that's you're not their buddy, right? Could you mm-hmm. be? Yes. Could you be? Absolutely. But that's not your role here. Your mm-hmm. role here is to help your child survive. Go, go back four or 500 years, right? Those people that are coming across the plains, they're not teaching lessons about how to be a winner and how to make you feel good. They're teaching lessons about how not to get bit by a rattlesnake and not eaten by a bear. And guess what? Your sister got eaten by a bear and your mother died of diphtheria and shit happens and fucking suck it up. Right. And now what are we talking about? Don't show your boobs on the internet. Uh, <laughs> try, try not to. Dick pics. Yeah. Oh, as you go to. 
Yeah. Try try not to say something that may or may not be construed as offensive, uh, you know, and, you know, make sure you keep your head down and, but stay proud of who you are. I mean, there's so many things that it's so confusing from a social aspect. They're not even survival anymore. They're just socially survival. And so we're trying to, to, to dance that rope at the same time. And, uh, one thing's for sure, your role as a parent is not to be uh, their best friend through this whole journey, right? It's to try to keep them on a path that you you are instilling on your kids based on your experience and the times you live in that will inevitably change and hopefully give them enough skill sets to deal with it as their world changed so dramatically. The world we live in isn't the same one our parents did. And it's not going back and forth and forth and forth all the way back. All you have to do is just try to find those core values, try those, try to get those things, uh, you know, the right and wrong. And, uh, and, and I think you touched on it, Danny, I think, there's a certain element of suck it up that you have to get to as a kid, uh, you know, as a parent that you have, uh, you'll, you, Mr. Jones, you'll figure this out. Right. I mean, right now, uh, well, I'm my at the dog, beginning of the whole thing. I mean, like, you know, I'm you not, are. I'm not, I'm not even in. No, you're not there. But you will be, it, it'll happen pretty quick for you. And I think that t- a great example today, uh, my daughter, fell into a thorn bush and her and got hurt pretty good. Like it bled through her knee, through her pants, everything. Right. I mean, milking it as if we should amputate this leg by the end of the day, uh, had to carry her up into the bed. I mean, really, really milking it to the, to the nines. And we, we, we fall for it. And then after I did the whole thing, I was like, what is wrong with me? Like, on the other hand, I'm like, I want to say, Get up the stairs, kids. Suck it up. Builds yeah, it's gonna hurt. Life Just hurts. Dirt on it. Life hurts. Yeah, there you go. Walk Get used off. to it. But you can't help it because there's there's something inside of you that says I'm gonna do better than the generation before me. And be careful what you think better is. That's all I'm saying. And I think this article is trying to explain that better doesn't mean happier, right? That doesn't. No, that's it doesn't mean no, happier as a good. kid. That's yeah. good. I think that sums it up. Um, so there's something here. They don't really unpack this, which I was a little sad about is the idea that, uh, so I hate the idea of generations. So when you say a millennial, I don't like to say that millennials matter when it's somebody who's in their thirties or forties, because that's what millennials are right now. So I'm, label. Not, I'm not a fan Labels of like, stupid. Let's just, just suggest somebody with small kids, yeah. somebody was, I'm, I'm just going to insert in place of millennial. I'm going to insert somebody with small kids. Parents are more aware of things within themselves that don't feel good places that feel empty. These are parents dedicated to raising kids who feel solid and confident while also trying to heal themselves. There is a general sense that we do it all for the kids and you end up being either a grumpy curmudgeon or um, the tour guide on a guilt trip when you get older, Mm -hmm. because yeah, raising kids is tough. And part of that is make sure you monitor your own mental health. Uh, But at some point, Bark at the kids if you think it'll keep them safe. Take away things from them if you think they'll learn. But again, I don't, I don't think so. At face value, the goal of parenting is not to make your kid happy. The goal is to teach them 
how to find their own happiness. And when I look at it like that, it's, you don't want to do everything for your child. Your job is to teach the child how to be self-sufficient. Now, if you want to bundle that around the concept of happiness, there's value in that. Uh, but yeah, how do I mean, you feel about me replacing your statement of teach with influence? Cause I don't think kids learn shit from their parents. <laughs> they just, yeah, they do. No, they do. I, 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 this I, could bullshit. be a moment where we that's, go that's off just script straight because I think they learn more than we teach them. Simply yeah, by observation. Fair enough. I'm just bitter. You, you don't realize what, what you're in, I mean, influence, but teaching you know I mean? they, children. They may not be doing exactly what you say the way you say it. So yeah, I mean, the influence is certainly there in terms of they're not doing what I told them to do, but they are learning and they are watching you. And the second they do something that you catch them and go, should I do that? You fucked. Right. But I, I wonder, because what you brought up was a very interesting point. Little Doobutter is four years old. She's going to go get busted up in the thorns at four years old. Yeah, you're going to carry her to her room. But what is the cutoff? You cut her off Six, at seven. You cut her eight, off at nine. Ten. Like I'm currently in that transition. I have six and nine and I'm trying to figure out when is the nine-year-old a man? When is the six-year-old a baby? Because the two of them are kind of a package deal like chicken nuggets. So it's very difficult to say you're the older one and you're the younger one because they want to be together even though they got three years between them. So that, that gets to another interesting point that we may or may not have time to talk about. There is going to be a transition from childhood to adulthood specifically with boys, but I think with children in general, where they have to start taking on these facets of adulthood, wash yourself, get dressed, clean up after yourself. Uh, we teach our kids to make their bed. There's just certain things that you have to do it. I don't expect you to like it. Let's separate liking and needing to do from each other. This you need to do. You don't have to like it. This you can like. Yeah. I think that the, Firstborn and lastborn stigmas that people talk about are real because of everything you're saying. You can't parent them the same. You can't. You can't do it. So, you know, the younger one has to grow up faster than the older one did because he's catching up, you know. So for whatever that means and whatever that turns him into uh, as an adult, so be it. But he's trying to play catch up. He's looking up at Big Brother, and nobody wants to be treated like uh, a baby or younger. So I feel like just, just human be, nature just will catch up. Weaker. Yeah, yeah. I, you you so say a little, should be treated as weaker. No, and, they don't oh. want to be viewed as weaker. They no, want they to be don't. wheeled as an equal. So. Yeah. In doing so, like you end up having to marry the two kind of together is like maybe one's not mentally mature enough, but your actions and character that you have with that child have to kind of be augmented. Yeah. So it mirrors yeah. the older the younger one ones as well as the younger faster, one. which means maybe you're accelerating the older one faster than they're ready. This is Possibly. an interesting one that I'd like to close on here is I don't know that it's specific to our point in time. But from our experience, things like the internet, iPads, the ease of everything, because there are so many ways right now to get around frustration, you have to be mindful to raise kids who learn how to tolerate it. What would cultivate happiness, the work, the intention, the frustration, the failure, 
because we live in a world of immediate gratification. Now, to us, it's immediate gratification because we used to have to go to the library to do a book report, and now there's Google. Uh, we used to have a phone that was attached to the wall with a cord, and then there were cell phones. We used to have to try and find old yearbooks and figure out by the grapevine what happened to people who went to high school with. Now we have Facebook. So as humanity gets more and more evolved to things like the remote control, to eliminate barriers to what we want, kids are going to grow up like that. Mm -hmm. So we always hear about that funny joke about how our parents walked uphill both ways in the snow. We're going to have our own version of that, I think, because we're parents. And so the idea is be aware of it. Whatever your parents complained about to you, you're going to complain about to your kids. They're going to complain about it to their kids. And I think that's just the great wheel of life. Yeah. So I, teach I, them I that gratification will get less and less immediate as they get older, as a general rule. And I would actually add that to the trifecta of death, taxes, and the law of diminishing returns. Final thoughts. I think environment plays a part. It's important to understand and, and speak to your kids knowing the environment you're in at the time you're in it. And, and also remember 10 years from now, 20 years from now, that wherever you are, you made the best decisions you could and the best influence you could with your, your kids at that time. You know, sometimes I look back at the way I was parented and I'm like, how does that possible? How is this safe? I just put shit in plugs. Like, yeah. And your parents are like, yeah, that'll hurt. I hope, I hope that, I hope you learned something there. And today that would be child abuse, right? Like there's, there's environmental things that you have to be aware of. And no 16 hour shifts at the meatpacking plant. Yeah. Right. Like there's, there's things that are, there's other things that are in play that you have to pay attention to this article, I think is trying to get at the heart of saying that don't try to be your kid's best friend to make up for what you're trying to be as a parent. I guess I, I'm not articulating Ooh. as well as I'm thinking, but people do that all the time as an overcompensation and you don't even do it consciously. Uh, sorry. I had to work an extra three hours today. Well, I'll let you get away with murder on this thing. Or, um, you know, I'm sorry that you had a bad day with your teacher. Uh, let's go to great wolf lodge and we'll make you feel better. And the truth is that you're going to have bad day with your bosses. You're going to have bad day with your friends. You're going to have bad days with the environment and storms and your clothes and your favorite toy and all the other things that go along. And that is all part of learning for them. And it's let them learn, let them hurt, you know, let them go through it, be there for them, but let them go through it. Right. Because it's not going to change. Nobody goes the, the, the billionaires of this world, and the people that come in with nothing, nobody goes through this world unscathed. 
even though nope. you you keep thinking you they do. Nope. So, you know, hardship is a part of life and be there for them, love them, support them, but let them hit, let it hit them. You know, that's maybe I wish that's what the article was about when I read the headline, but it wasn't. So <laughs> I took it. I, I had a takeaway that the article didn't even intend. So, yeah, it's going to hit them and you're not going to be there. And we've lost a couple of friends between the three of us that life hit them and there was yeah. nobody there at the time. Yep. No yeah. one there to, no one them to catch them on the way down. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that's kind of like what, that's the worst case scenario. Yeah. Morbid. Um, but the idea, I think of what grasped me here was also the idea that uh, learning to parent also kind of changes over time too, as we allude to earlier, where how you parent or how you do at a different age and your evolution too of um, instilling failure, but also instilling the ability for the child to grow and, you know, and do the best you can, but you know, we're all not perfect. No one's perfect. Money can't buy happiness or, you know, solve every problem in the world. You're always going to have to kind of deal with that. And then as a parent, you need to cope with it as well as a child too. So um, anyways, you know, good segment. Yeah. Uh, we could, we could talk an entire show on this topic or show. Yeah. Yeah. I think some people are born into it, but the rest of us just get better over time. Yep. So if you're not happy where like, you are as a parent, don't worry, you'll figure it out yeah, because like you have to my glass gets better with age. This, this is not a part-time job when you're a parent, that's it. You're stuck. You're a captive audience. So don't worry. You'll get better at it. You don't have a choice. That wraps up parenting. Leon. I'm going to flip this on its head. I really don't want to hear oh, that you're happy. Geez. You can't be happy. Let's get into Leon Loathes. So far, Danny, I haven't heard a single logical reason. No, no, don't accept this. It's frustrating. And we haven't cured cancer. We have not cured cancer. I don't know the answer. I'm just ranting about it. Leon, the floor is yours. Danny, I know this is your favorite segment, and you can't wait to hear how I rant. Maybe it should be Leon rants. You, you are the regent of rage, my friend. But I will tell you, this is the season of love. <laughs> and forgiveness. Isn't that February? No, no, it's this season. Oh, very off-brand uh, for you. Pick your holiday. You gonna start drinking tequila next? <laughs> but here's here's the real truth behind this season, and everyone needs to chime in on this. Is there's a lot of shit going on all the time. And try to realize just like we talked in the last segment that no matter what happens, there's going to be shit that's really awesome in your life. And there's going to be stuff that sucks in your life. And I think everyone should take this month depend. It doesn't matter what religion you are. I mean, let's be honest. Like most people you know, if you're, if you're for Christ and Christmas, great. If you're for Hanukkah, right. We're right in between the two. Uh, if you're for Kwanzaa or whatever other holiday, I think the most important thing is take a second and realize that it's pretty great to be here and to have the friends that you have and to be in the situation that you're in 
and stop looking for things that piss you off for at least for one month only. I'm trying to do that. It's hard on me. You know that, but I'm trying to do that for one month a year and saying, this is the month that I'm just going to say, I love everybody. Even the shitty, shitty driver that cut me off this morning or the horrible cashiers that I had to deal with this weekend while I was Christmas shopping or my daughter who has absolutely no appreciation for anything whatsoever or my dogs that look at me in the face and shit on the floor or whatever the thing is (laughs) not this month this is the month we say i'm just happy to be here and these are going to be really funny stories and just let it fall off your back because we all are going through it And we need at least one break a year where we're not swimming upstream. And we need to just come together more now than anything, more now than anywhere. You know, I think, you know, with the the way the pandemic has polarized the world, there's been an incredible amount of heartache and an incredible amount of, uh, hardship endured by so many people that showing a little bit of compassion this time of year and showing a little bit of understanding and empathy this time of year isn't such a bad thing. So find it in you, even me, who's always angry about everything. This is the time of year to suck it up and spend time with people you love or pretend to love and then tell them on January 1st to go fuck themselves for another year. <laughs> That's my segment. Amen. Brother. And we dropped the mic. It's true. So that, that wraps up the show. Thank you for joining us, Bob's. This has been your Brown Bulletin. You can call us at 602-529-4562 on the telephones. You can email us at bottle of brown at gmail.com. If you like the show, follow us on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, wherever, wherever, wherever you get your podcasts. We're there. You can find us. Share the show with a friend. Let us know what you want. And uh, tell everybody you know about what we did. Till next time. Same brown time. Same brown channel. Bottleofbrown.com. This place is dead anyway, man. <laughs>